if we're aware of our emotions and know that we have triggers, the most practical thing we can do is work around those, is come up with strategies. Does your relationship with food mirror a love-hate relationship with a loved one? Sad, but true. Food occupies a good part of our daily thinking, especially at the beginning of a new year, keeping us from becoming the better version of ourselves. Philip Pape, certified nutrition coach and body composition expert, believes it is possible to maintain a healthy relationship with food while still enjoying your lifestyle and the foods you enjoy. Hopefully, his insights on sustainability and self-mastery in achieving optimal health will inspire you to shift your relationship with food and stop feeling guilty when you grab that extra container of ice cream or sneak that extra piece of cake. Wouldn't we all like to create change in our lives? These compelling and extraordinary conversations can help you make better life choices. I'm Terry Yaffe, executive career and business coach and founder of Try Coaching. Welcome, Philip. How are you today? I'm great, Terry. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So a question I always start with is, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I like to say that in 2020, my life was forever changed and not for the reasons that it was for most people. That was the year I was turning 40. And I realized that I was weak. I was gaining too much weight. I was running out of energy. And it was starting to affect my, not just my physical health, but my confidence, my ability to make an impact in my career, in my business, at work, and even with my family. So as I thought about what it was doing to me as a father, as a leader, and looking at my family's history of heart disease and diabetes and obesity, I knew I had to do something. And in the past, I had tried things that many of us have tried, like fad diets and intermittent fasting and CrossFit. I did CrossFit for like eight years and it wasn't really working. So I spent the year that I turned 40 and now that I was working from home with a little extra time, devoting myself to the study of the science of nutrition and strength and what that means for improving your body composition, but also doing it in a way that's sustainable, in a way that gets around the the emotional eating and cravings and quick fixes and diets that we all struggle with, you know. And so I thought if I could do that, that it would it would help. And it and it really did. I went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So I finally went through my own personal transformation for the first time in my life where I actually felt like I made progress and got past some of these roadblocks in a way that I could do it forever effectively. And I decided I would love to share this information with others and help them achieve similar results. And I started my podcast, Wits and Weights, in late 2021, and eventually got into nutrition coaching uh, so that I can basically teach people these evidence-based principles and empower them to do exactly the same thing. Yeah, that brings me to the whole pandemic. Without belaboring it, we all were home. A good chance to get to the refrigerator, Yes, grab whatever. And I'm wondering, statistically, was there a huge uptick in people gaining weight during that time? I had read people, you know, a percentage Mm -hmm. gained like 30 pounds. Yes. If you look at the obesity statistics, which 
which lag, right? It takes a while to really understand all that data. It had been hovering around 40% in like the 2017, 18 timeframe. And I know it's over 50 at this point. I mean, it, it's accelerated. So just based on that alone, we can definitely say there was an impact from, from the pandemic. Yeah. So when you just staying in statistics for a little bit, what is your overview of where America is today with eating? It's a national pastime like baseball and football. People love to eat. And I think a lot of people eat unconsciously. Yes. You know, it's they grab for that or they grab for that or they sit down and eat and they're not aware. They just eat. Yeah. I mean, it starts at it starts from childhood. And unfortunately, childhood obesity has has gone up quite a bit where you're just taught that, you know, you're not taught necessarily healthy dietary patterns, but worse than that, you're taught that food can be, can fill in your craving, can fill in that hole, can fill in a gap, or can be something that, that changes your mood. You know, I have an emotion and I'm going to act on it. And then you just behaviorally train yourself from a young age to do that. What about obesity? What about the fact that people, everyone's got a different body, Mm -hmm. right? If you tend to be heavy and it's a part of your genetics, what can you do? Yeah. Whether you're young or even middle-aged getting older. Right. So there's been this big movement in body positivity, right? You're familiar with that movement of the idea that we say healthy at any size. The, the challenge there is that a certain level of weight has negative health consequences no matter who you are, right? There's just a strong association between carrying extra weight and the impact on your joints, the impact on your heart, right? Your heart has to work harder and so on. And your ability to break bones and, and get injured. Anybody, no matter their genetics, can vastly improve their personal health relative to where they are. And anybody, I don't care about your 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 history or if you have a thyroid issue or hormone issue, can get into a healthy weight range with the right practices. Oh, let's look a little at the emotional eating versus the physical eating Mm -hmm. and getting into healthy habits. Sure. Podcast is all about creating change, right? So one of the things we'll touch upon is how can people create change for themselves in dealing with food? Yeah. So emotional eating is It's a thorny subject because we often want to go down to the psychological root of the issue, when in reality, if we're aware of our emotions and know that we have triggers, the the most practical thing we can do is work around those, is come up with strategies Mm -hmm. to take control of the situation. So the situation is a fact. It, It exists. What we have control over is how we think about that the emotion we then proceed with based on that thought, the action we then take, and finally the result that comes from that, right? So interestingly, a lot of our emotional eating and disordered eating comes from trying to be too rigid, trying to give ourselves too many rules and we can't eat this and we have to do this. And actually, if we took a more flexible approach where we, we tracked food, for example, for a little while, or in some way got we measured what we're eating and how much we're eating and had that feedback, we can then be flexible within that guideline and not have the binges and the cravings 
that come on and we can take control of that situation. So there's a lot of strategies we can talk about on how to do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get to that. But I think of myself as I could be a, I'm a could be a closet eater. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was mm-hmm. younger, I if I had an emotional, I'd go for donuts. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't do that anymore. For me, I don't keep anything in the house. That's my strategy. My husband keeps saying, where's something to eat? Where's, where's a, a dessert? Have strawberries and whipped cream mm-hmm, <laughs> is what mm-hmm. I say. But I know me. And if it's in my house, I will eat it. I don't have the willpower. Mm-hmm. So that's a strategy I use. Do I say on the weekends, I'll buy Nick's sugar-free ice cream. A yes. whole thing is 240 calories. And that's my treat. How can people really look at what triggers them and say, you know what? These are my triggers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out how I can work around them. Yeah. So you touched on two strategies, and then we're going to talk about identifying triggers. The two strategies you mentioned are one, controlling your environment, right? Which is just keeping things out of the house, or your environment could be people, you know, putting yourself around the right people or eliminating certain people from your life if that's possible. And the other thing you talked about was having an alternative, right? You have a craving for ice cream. So you've identified an alternative that is still supports your goals and the craving. Now, your question about triggers goes back to what I mentioned about situations. Every trigger comes from an emotion. Every emotion is created by a situation. So journaling is is a great way to do this, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It can simply be when you have a craving, you write down what happened before, during, and after, even if you succumb to it, and then you, you identify what situation led to that. And then you say, how, if in the future this situation occurs, am I going to be in control of it ahead of time? Right. And and that's what then leads to other strategies, whether it's planning or mindfulness or like you said, having an alternative. You know, I think a great lifestyle of eating is Weight Watchers. For a lot of people, it, it you have to track. Mm-hmm. And if you want pizza or you want ice cream, it's built in to their program. People feel deprived. Yes. Going on a diet. Yes. I can have the foods I love. And perhaps the shift is to look at it as a lifestyle change. So you're creating change and your mind gets to shift if it's a lifestyle change. It's not, oh, for the next six months, this is what I have to do. Yeah, you hit on a really good point, and that is people think of dieting as an on-off switch that they go into to accomplish some goal and then be happy, right? <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. What what I would like to to talk about quickly here is is flexible dieting. So you mentioned Weight Watchers. Now, a lot of my clients have done Weight Watchers, and and I don't think it's quite sustainable long term, just like many diets. But it's it's closer in that you're right, you track. The difference being they give you a point system. And I would rather you track exactly the calories and macros you're eating so you don't need to be tethered to points or a a system, right? So it's called flexible dieting. And the idea is that if you're trying to lose a certain amount of weight, then you know what your calorie and macro targets are, your macronutrients, right? Proteins, fats, and carbs. And you just track your food. 
And then if you want to slice a cake on Tuesday because your wife made it for you for Valentine's Day, like for me last week, or if you want to go out and have a drink on the weekend, you plan it in and you know how it's going to affect your targets. And it's it's flexible. It's liberating in that sense. How does that work exactly that you track your proteins, your your carbs, your fat? Yes. Yeah. So first you have to have a target. The target takes a little bit of learning how to do that. Obviously, if you're working with a coach, like my clients, they they have that done with them. But you want to understand how many calories you burn on a daily basis, right? So the first step to do is just track the food. Don't even worry about your targets. Just eat like you normally eat and track your food. There are apps for that. There's lots of apps for that. The one I use personally is called Macrofactor, but there are many people know things like MyFitnessPal and others. And you just log either by, based on the barcode or based on the food in the database. So if you eat chicken and broccoli, you put in chicken and it's 200 grams of chicken and broccoli and it's you know 100 grams of broccoli. You do that for a few weeks, you will quickly learn a lot about yourself. You'll learn how much you eat, what you eat, if you're getting enough protein, yada, yada, yada. And then you can say, okay, what is my goal now? If, if my goal is to lose weight and I'm burning 2,000 calories a day, I know I need to go somewhere below that. And that will be my target going forward. Okay. So when you talk about burning, you have to be out moving about. You have to be exercising, whether it's walking, whether it's going to the gym or whatever it is. Sure. I mean, we, yeah. I mean, we burn a lot of calories anyway, just, just sitting around, we burn a certain amount. And then on top of that, of course, your movement adds to that. Yeah. How do you factor in exercise to all of this? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that's a key component. Yeah, a few things. Uh, first, when you're actually calculating how many calories you burn, it's easier not to even pay attention to the calories burned from exercise because there's no accurate way to determine that. Your smartwatch and your phone are could be up to 80% off in accuracy when it comes to calories burned. Instead, all you have to do is look at your tracking, like how many calories you're eating and what your weight is. And if your weight hasn't changed for two weeks and you're eating 2,000 calories a day, that's how many calories you're burning. And it accounts for activity. As far as the importance of activity, that could be a whole separate podcast episode. But I'll say two things I think the most important are strength training and walking. I think a lot of people do too much cardio and intense cardio. And that actually backfires when it comes to fat loss because their body adapts to that mode of movement and makes them efficient, meaning they're not going to burn as many calories. So it's also could be about portion, right? How much are you actually eating? Are you eating a Thanksgiving platter sure. of food? <laughs> or are you eating a smaller portion of food? Yeah, there's a there's a portion-based method to... If you don't want to track, that's the next base thing is to understand what a portion of protein, carbs, and fat look like using your hand. The the only challenge with that is there's a lot of variability. So the accuracy is going to be less, right? The precision is going to be less, but it's at least the awareness. So if you told for your if you told yourself, I have a plan that I'm going to eat this many portions of this in my meals, and then you stick to that plan, that is going to take you much farther than what you're doing today, which is probably nothing. You're probably not aware of it today at all, and you're just grabbing randomly for your food throughout the day. Well, what are some additional thoughts, what people can, how can they, you know, two or three steps, create change, 
to look at their relationship with food and to start implementing something. It's a new year. How can we be a better version of ourselves in this year? The first I would say is to to practice mindfulness, meaning, and this is mindfulness with everything. This is being aware of your emotions, like we talked about, being aware of your situations, your hunger cues. And then if you can write those down associated with how you react to those, that gives you so much feedback. It closes the loop in your brain of what's causing you to do things, right? So that's that's one. Another is just find alternatives. You alluded to it before with the ice cream brand that you like. But alternatives, not just food, but I guess healthier ways to cope with your emotions. Going for a walk, talking to a friend, meditation. Um, I had my back surgery in 2021 and I didn't like walking before then. And then I started to walk. And now I, I found it's so therapeutic mm, to just- I do that too. Yeah. Get some vitamin D, right, be with your right, thoughts. Right. I mean, you could multitask and listen to a podcast too, if you want. Listen to, to Terry's podcast while you're walking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and or yours. The, yeah. Yeah. Or mine. Wits and weight. Sure. Yeah. Kill some time there. And then I guess the other one, if I could do two more, actually, one would sure. be pl- planning. Okay. Planning is a big part of this meal planning, meal prepping, whatever. It doesn't have to be complicated. It, it's just saying, what am I going to do tomorrow? Plan it out and think about it now when you're not emotional and then execute to the plan. Easier said than done, I realize. But how? if you're listening to this, do you even do that? When you look back yesterday and say, oh, I screwed up. I fell off the rails. Well, what if you had just thought about that day, the day before and planned for it? How would it have looked different? And then the last one is, prioritize your sleep and your self-care overall because those things affect your hunger tremendously. Like not getting enough sleep will cause you to overeat and also not getting enough sleep causes more belly fat storage than storage elsewhere on your body. So people listening who care about that, there you go. This has been, I'm so fascinated. There's so much we can do to create change for ourselves. And if somebody is looking to create change and wants a coach, Philip, what's what's your email? Yeah, I would go to my website, witsandweights.com. Yeah, witsandweights.com and, and put your email at the top. You'll get a free ultimate macros guide and I think a high protein recipe pack. And then we'll be in touch. What a great conversation, Philip. Thank you so much for this very enlightening, very insightful conversation about nutrition, which is something we all struggle with. Yes, Terry. And thank you for the opportunity. And I really hope whoever's listening, it, it changes their life in some way with these strategies. Thank you for joining the conversation. For related content on extraordinary work, visit my website, trycoaching.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to future podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Always remember, when you work with passion and purpose, your work can become extraordinary. How are you doing with your weight training program as we head into March? If your answer is, not so good, You'll want to listen as my next guest, Paul Hanton, certified strength and conditioning coach and owner of Hydra Fitness, lets us in on his secret to motivation. It's action, 
that drives motivation, not the other way around.